It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmoke with you. Today from Sharp Football Analysis, we're joined by the one and only Warren Sharp. Just released his 2021 book. But first, a reminder, you can find the Giants huddle podcast at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app. And of course, all of your favorite podcast platforms if you're on apple podcast please leave a five-star positive review and now we're joined by our guest he is warren sharp i think warren this is the third or fourth straight year you've joined us to preview the giant season from an analytical perspective what was it like putting together your book this year and tell the folks where to find it yeah the book was uh an, an adventure like it is every year because i have to dig back through last season and really try to understand for every single team in the nfl What were they trying to do last year? How well did they achieve that goal? How much did they change from a personnel or coaching perspective since last year? And then what do I think they're going to try to do this year? What do I think they're actually going to achieve um, from a schedule perspective and and just from an outcome perspective? Um, And I incorporate betting and fantasy nuggets in there as well, forecasts for the upcoming season. So it's a difficult arduous process. It takes a long time. We're talking three and a half months from start to finish to write this thing up. Um, But every single year, it's gotten more and more in depth. This year's book is 462 pages. And a few years ago, probably when I first started doing this with you, John, I had a limit because we were trying to get the book out on Amazon and, you know, from a purchasing perspective, keep it within this uh, certain price range. And as a result of that, um, I could only fit a certain number of pages in the book. And eventually it got to the point like last year during the pandemic when it was just like, why do I want to be beholden to fitting a certain number of pages in this book and cutting off my analysis on these different teams and not sharing as much as I want to? Uh, just because of this page count, let's move to PDF only book and let's write as much as I want to about every single team and dive as deep as I want to go. And so that's what we did. And we expanded the amount of information, the amount of infographics, the amount of written content that I'm providing this year. We brought in a couple of other guys. One guy focused on defense, another guy focused on the draft classes, and they wrote up a bunch of information on both of those for all 32 teams. So um, it's, it's absolutely, you hit it right. When we were first uh, talking in the pre-show, it's a labor of love. I'm so happy though, putting it together. It's such a challenge. It's an interesting adventure every year. I'm really happy when it's done, but actually I enjoy doing it because I learn a lot uh, about the teams and some of the things that I need to know heading into the upcoming season that, that I research and uncover. And I'm happy to share with guys like yourself, um, and then use it for my knowledge this upcoming season. Well, tell the folks where they can find it. That's the most important thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yes. It's <laughs> up at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Um, you can go there. It's just, called, just, there's banners everywhere, but it says Warren's book, Warren's 2021 book. Uh, that's where you can get it. Um, and certainly happy to uh, be able to talk about it with, uh, with you Giants fans. Absolutely. All right. So let's start here, Warren. And I, it's funny. I've been thinking about, your book coming out for a while, because one of the favorite things that you do in your book every year is talk about the impact of the team's schedule on some of the results from last year. And then you try to project and see how those results might change for the upcoming season. And doing my own work last year, 
I had come up with the fact, and I think this is pretty much born out of what you've looked at. The Giants faced the toughest pass rush schedule in the league last year, and defense in general was near one of the toughest. And you pretty much came up with the same numbers in your analysis, right? Yeah, absolutely. I th- this team faced a brutal schedule of opposing defenses. Um, Look, you got a quarterback like Daniel Jones, and you want to try to make his life a little bit easier, but you're going up against the number two most difficult schedule of run defenses. Then you say, okay, well, let's pass the ball more, but then you are going up against a brutal schedule of pass defenses. So, um, you know, pick your poison. It wasn't easy, the defenses that the Giants faced last year, and unfortunately, it's not going to be that easy this year either. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think overall defensive efficiency, you had the Giants have the tough, you had them have the toughest schedule in the league last year. Yep. And this year you have coming up at four. So it gets a little bit easy, but easier, but this is still going to be a, a tough slog here for Jones and the Giants offense in 2021. Yeah, it is. And other than the fact that there's a couple of cupcake pass defenses in your non-division schedule. And I'm talking specifically about like the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Like those are the three that stand out. Um, You know, will the Eagles be as bad a pass defense as they were last year? We know that they brought a new defensive coordinator and they're going to try some new schemes. Will they still be as bad? That's to be determined. Obviously Dallas was terrible last year. So you get to play those teams a couple times a year um, that have nowhere to go really, but up from a past defense perspective. But we know Washington is brutal. You're playing the AFC West, which has some brutal past defenses as well. When you're talking specifically Denver and the chargers are going to be better with a new defensive coordinator, the NFC South, the bucks and the saints both have very good past defenses. Um, And then the other teams, you know, you play 17 games this year. So you have to play the AFC East, the NFC North and the NFC West. And unfortunately, I think you are drawing the three most difficult defenses (laughs) in those divisions, respectively. We're talking about the Miami Dolphins pass defense from last year, which was great under Brian Flores. We're talking about the Chicago Bears uh, pass defense. And then the LA Rams pass defense. We just spoke about the fact they lost their uh, defensive coordinator. He's now the coach of the LA Chargers, but the LA Rams, they still have a very good pass defense as well. So, I mean, it's not going to get much easier. In fact, I predict that the schedule of past defenses that they will face this year is actually the third most difficult. And they played the fourth most difficult last year. So uh, we're talking like top five most difficult past defenses for Daniel Jones, both last year and this year. Uh, it's not going to be an easy walk in the park for him, despite new additions to their arsenal um from a personnel perspective you know it's Warren it's funny I've been trying to kind of tell giant fans this year heading into the season and I hadn't looked at necessarily how difficult this year's schedule is going to be so maybe the change isn't as, as stark but last year simply due to the schedule they played I said you know what the Giants offense was probably a little bit better than the numbers indicated just because of the opponents and their defense maybe wasn't quite as strong because they did have some easier opponents on the defensive side of the ball. It's kind of the polar opposite, polar opposite of the offense, right? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the offensive metrics, they were terrible adjust for schedule and you know, they weren't quite as bad. The defensive metrics, they were middle of the road. I mean, it definitely was your strength last year. They weren't like knocking anybody's socks off, even though when we think of the 29, uh, sorry, the 2020 giants, we think of defense. Um, 
we're still looking at a defense that was literally average across the board in, I mean, I put in the book here about 12 different defensive metrics and almost all of them, they were about average in, um, but they played a very easy schedule last year. I had them playing the third easiest schedule of overall offenses, the third easiest schedule of pass offenses. And that's what matters the most. You know, um, we talk about what matters in football, especially in the modern day football. And it's the passing game and it's the passing your offense's ability to pass the football against the opposing defense and vice versa, your defense's ability to stop the opposing quarterback from passing the football on you. And you guys played the third easiest schedule of opposing passing offenses. Now this was heavily influenced by the fact that you played your own division and you look around the NFC East last year and the passing offenses were were abysmal (laughs) backup quarterbacks littered around the table. I mean, it just was not a very good, uh, schedule of passing offenses uh, the good news for you guys though it's not going to improve a ton i do foresee like my early projections right now are that you're going to play the sixth easiest schedule of passing offenses this upcoming year but if the eagles take a monumental leap forward and the cowboys with Dak get significantly better which Eagles is going to be a tougher mountain to climb. Cowboys should, with Dak, get much better from a passing offense perspective. All of a sudden now, you are going to be facing a little bit of a more difficult schedule of of pass defenses, which, as you probably can guess, will put even more uh, importance on the offense being efficient, productive, and able to score points when you're going up against better offenses this season. Yeah, one more question on, on the pass defense, Warren, because one thing that really jumped out to me and I thought was a reason why maybe even they outperformed some of your advanced metrics in terms of like points and when you get to the points allowed and the bigger categories that everyone looks at and is their explosive pass defense. They were one of the teams that I think they allowed the second fewest passes of 20 plus yards. You have them fourth in your metrics for explosive pass defense. And it really seems to me now in the modern NFL, and this, I guess, is a larger question, not just Giants related. If you can prevent those chunk pass plays, that goes a long way to keeping points off the board. Because it's tough for these offenses to sustain these drives where they have to dink and dunk and dink and dunk and just kind of go down the field really methodically. Absolutely. If you are looking at the book and you're looking at the explosive pass defense, I have them ranked fourth, which what I'm looking at when I'm talking about explosive pass offense or defense is what percentage of your pass attempts will gain 20 plus yards net. So it's not just a big pass that goes 20 air yards. I'm talking about how often are your passes gaining 20 plus yards, even if it's a short pass that has a big gain after it. And then vice versa for the defense, how often are you allowing those? So that's why you guys ranked fourth. Uh, You allowed a, you know, the fourth best percentage of opposing quarterback pass attempts to gain 20 plus yards. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the goal of a defense Number one, if you're a defense, I think you're probably hoping that the opposing offense just runs the ball all the time because runs are obviously going to gain fewer yards than passes. The other thing that you're trying to do as a defense is force other teams into third down. So if you can force them into third downs often, that means a kind of what you're saying, and I'll get to that in a second, they're not gaining big chunks on first and second down. So they're being in these very uh, high leverage third down situations where if they miss that, chances are they're punting the ball back to you or kicking a field goal, which both of which are good outcomes as opposed to the alternative, which is scoring touchdowns. Um, And so 
those things are, are definitely what you're looking for as a defense. And you want to prevent the offense ideally from, you know, bypassing those third downs and getting chunk plays to score points very efficiently on you. And so if you can limit those explosive pass gains and you can force them into third downs more often, um, now you guys rank 21st in my early down success rate metric, which looks at how often the defense is forcing that opposing offense into third downs. Um, like those are the ideal metrics to be great at. So at least you are good in the one, which means that it's going to be more methodical for opposing offenses to put the ball down the field It's going to take them more plays to get there, which means more opportunities for mistakes, potentially an offensive holding penalty, potentially a turnover, anything that prevents quick scores is what you're looking for. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a giant suite partner. Limited full season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit giants.com slash suites for more information. All right, let, let's get to some specific stuff here, Warren, because you dip into amazing detail on some of this stuff. So let's start with Daniel Jones, who, as Giant fans all know, his progress and improvement is a bigger key than maybe anything, and we'll touch on the offensive line. That's part of this, too. What are some of the things that the Giants coaching staff can do to make things a little bit easier for Daniel Jones to take advantage of some of the improved weapons that they brought in this offseason, like Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, Kyle Rudolph, guys like that. Well, I mean, we talked about this last year. It was actually something that I uncovered last year, and I'm trying to figure out where my quarterback was good, where he struggled, and I'm trying to play to his strengths, minimize his weaknesses in whatever way possible. One thing that I uncovered that was when Daniel Jones turns his back on the defense, it causes him problems. When he is using play action from under center, he's nowhere near as efficient. You do want to use play action, but you want to use it from shotgun. And when I saw the splits from the 2019 season, when Daniel Jones went under center and used play action and turned his back on the defense, faked the handoff, and then threw a pass, he only averaged 4.7 yards per attempt, 34% success, minus 0.65 EPA. But when he used play action from shotgun, kept his eyes up on the defense, 4.7 yards per attempt became 8.7, and a 34% success rate became a 52% success rate, and a minus 0.65 EPA per attempt when he's doing the under center stuff became plus 0.17. So significantly better. 2020 ratcheted up his usage of under center play action, uh, doubled the total number of under attempts, increased the percentage of play action throws from under center, um, and we still saw struggles. Now, the splits weren't quite as large, but he averaged, uh, Daniel Jones averaged nearly a full yard better in every time he dropped back to pass the ball when he was using shotgun play action versus under center, and his EPA per attempt was minus 0.27 when he was under center. It was only minus 0.02 when he was in shotgun. So the advice for 2021 is talk to Daniel Jones, figure out and confirm that he feels more comfortable and executes better when he keeps his eyes up on the defense using play action and call less under center play action in 2021. And another thing that you can do with him is figure out what's going on with Evan Ingram. I mean, a tight end should be a quarterback's 
favorite weapon. We saw how much hockey, remember the old days, like was bringing towards uh, this offense and giving the quarterback a comfort, their safety valves league wide. You could have your best, your single best, most efficient quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes absolutely loves throwing to his tight end. We saw Tom Brady's efficiency in the 2019 season completely plummet. Well, what else happened in 2019 when he was in New England? Rob Gronkowski was retired. He didn't have that safety valve weapon. All of a sudden, Rob comes back clearly past his prime, but still provides Tom Brady in 2020 that that relief valve, that uh, comfort blanket to increase his efficiency and lead this team to winning a Super Bowl. You must figure out, I don't care what other weapons you brought in. You've got Evan Ingram and he is talented. He is a matchup nightmare for defenses, very athletic. Figure out how to get this guy the ball. Dial up things that are going to maximize Evan Ingram. Give Daniel Jones that tight end safety weapon. I think if you do those two things from a passing perspective, you figure out a way to get a tight end more involved in this offense and you give Daniel Jones fewer uh, play action pass attempts from under center, you are going to see a much more efficient offense. And it only takes those two modifications. And based on your numbers, and this was when I did my study too in the offseason, I thought this as well. They were a pretty efficient team out of 12 personnel. That was their most successful personnel group. So they bring in Kyle Rudolph. They're going to have tight ends on the field. So it makes sense that they try to utilize those guys a little bit more. And I guess the other thing too, Warren, it's not necessarily the targets, right? It's where you're targeting him and the efficiency of those targets, right? When you're trying to get Ingram and the, and, and the tight ends involved. Absolutely. I mean, look, Daniel Jones, we know that you're going to use a lot more 11 personnel when you're trailing in games. Um, But we, you know, there's a page in the book where I display all of the different passing efficiencies from different personnel groupings. And clearly, as you indicated and you studied, you know, they are significantly more efficient when they're passing out of 12 personnel. And I love 12 personnel because it confuses the defense right off the jump, you know, with their personnel groupings that they have to substitute to match up to who you've got on the field and you can pass or run out of 12 personnel, especially with tight ends like you guys now have where you can split them out and do different things with them. Be very flexible Give the defense conflict. Put that defense into conflict before the ball is even snapped. They don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. These are things that will help a quarterback who has struggled a little bit with his production and performance so far in his career. I I agree. More 12 personnel would absolutely be a good thing. Okay, I was going to ask this question. We had a fan question as well from at Yojimbo Fukuyama on Twitter. Uh, He wants to know about passing more frequently on early downs and – how that could perhaps try to jumpstart the offense and help Daniel Jones a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Well, Mr. Fukuyama is absolutely correct with, you know, something that I was noticing and something that I wanted them to do more last season. Uh, I wrote about it in the off season in the 2020 giants chapter. You have to pass more on early downs. Don't go back to being a run heavy offense. I, I figured my fears were realized. They went back to being a run heavy offense, which was surprising because Saquon Barkley wasn't even there. And I am also fearful that now that Barkley comes back this year, that they will go back to being this run heavy offense. They passed the ball on only 49% of early downs in the first half of games. The NFL average was 54% pass. Now that doesn't sound like a big difference, 49% to 54%, but you have to realize we're talking about a very narrow band here. It does make a big difference. Only three teams 
ran the ball more often than the Giants. Okay. Those three teams were the Baltimore Ravens with a running quarterback, the New England Patriots with Cam Newton, obviously a running quarterback, and the Derrick Henry-led Tennessee Titans. It does not, does not help your quarterback to be that run heavy on early downs. Obviously, we know that the Tennessee Titans were a little bit of a different beast with Derrick Henry and some of their play action stuff that they were doing and Ryan Tannehill there at the quarterback position. But this is not that type of uh, team. The offensive line, we'll talk about that momentarily, nowhere near as good. They cannot be this run heavy. They have to go back to being more pass heavy on these early downs. It absolutely will help them avoid more third downs, which is the single biggest help to a quarterback, especially one that struggles. If you got a struggling quarterback, your initial instinct might be, let's pass as little as often because we don't want him passing the ball a lot. But what you really should be focusing on is let's keep him out of third downs because on third down, that's when the defense knows he's going to be passing the football and they can pin their ears back. And it's even harder to execute as a quarterback when you're passing the ball on third down, pass the ball on early downs, especially out of, you know, your 12 personnel where the defense doesn't know all oh, they might be running the ball here. All oh, they might, you know, they, they might use a play action to look like it's going to be a run. That's when the passing is going to be efficient on early downs. Play action doesn't really work on third down. You're not using it on third down because the defense knows you're passing the ball. So I agree, Mr. Fukuyama, the, this team needs to pass the ball more on early downs. I just don't know if he's going to do that because he gets Saquon Barkley back. All right, let's go to the offensive line. You had a couple of really interesting notes in here. Uh, PFF, who we use for tracking here, they had the Giants allowing the second highest percentage of pressures last year. Combine that with a stat that you had in your book, which I thought was interesting, that 21% of the pressures that Daniel Jones faced last year resulted in sacks. That was the fifth highest rate in the NFL. And that's kind of a guide of how a quarterback deals with in census pressure, right? The other point you made is that Jones much better throwing the ball from a stationary base than he is on the move. Much better quarterback from the pocket. So you put all those things together. How do you think the offensive line's performance, which I think they hope through natural improvement, they have a young group is going to get better this year. How does that impact you think how, you know, as much as it's Garrett calling the offense, but just the overall consistently consistency and effectiveness is the offense. But you know, Warren, you have one big negative play in a drive and that's kind of the ball game on that drive. Absolutely. I mean, a sack taken on a drive really results in, almost no points being scored on those drives. I mean, it's very difficult to overcome that. It doesn't sound that crazy. Like, oh, it's, it's just a sack, like get it back. But no, the reality is that that really does knock down your uh, likelihood of scoring points on that drive. It, it, it's about getting the ball out quickly. Now, I know Kadaris Tony could be a big factor there for them this year and, and, and aid in that. But we talked about the schedule, you know, right off the jump, you astutely noted that I've got this team facing the number one most difficult schedule of opposing pass rushes in 2021 after playing the number two most difficult schedule of pass rushes in 2020. It does not get any easier when you're talking about taking on the AFC West with a number of good pass rush teams, uh, the NFC South with the Saints and the Bucks. And I already mentioned, you know, the, the Dolphins and the Bears and the Rams, all these teams can get after the quarterback and 
you're right. Daniel Jones has a high propensity when he's pressured to take these sacks, or we already know that he has some issues holding on to the football in the pocket when pressure collapses around him. Wait, which so, one, by the way, I, I think the Giants will trade the turnovers for sacks. Not ideal, <laughs> but sacks still better than the turnovers, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Turnovers sir. the team that wins the turnover battles winning 80% of games. So you definitely would rather take a sack than give up a turnover. So Daniel Jones continue to needs continues to need to work on his ball security in the pocket. hundred percent agree with you there, but, but this is a team that needs to design, understand who you are. I think that's one of the biggest issues that teams face, especially offensive coordinators when they're trying to build out an offense, and especially when they're relatively new is like, well, I want to bring these things that I did elsewhere. Like, well, figure out what your personnel is good at doing, what they're bad at doing, and then put them in the best light possible. Something that Bill Belichick and the Patriots do so frequently. This is what Jason Garrett needs to do. Uh, understand where Daniel Jones struggles. Understand what you really have with this offensive line. Yes, we're expecting growth and development, but how well are they actually going to perform? Set realistic expectations for that in the first couple of weeks of the season, call plays accordingly, and then make some adjustments very quickly in this season if the offensive line is struggling or if the offensive line has improved. Make some changes to your philosophy as a play caller based upon what you see those first couple of games of the year in terms of how well this offensive line really is performing and what strides they've made. This question from at Cowan 850 pre-snap motion, Warren, and I'm going to paraphrase this question for him. That's been a craze in the NFL. It's become more and more the last few years. There's different types of pre-snap motion, whether it's jet sweep or shifts. How do you evaluate that in your analysis? How does pre-snap motion help or hurt an offense? And how do you differentiate between the type of pre-snap motions that different teams use? Well, that's a great question. Um, number one, I will say, if you get the book, and again, I'll plug it, sharpfootballanalysis.com, get the book. I've got a page that's dedicated almost entirely to different tendencies that teams have league-wide ranks them one to 32 and analyzes efficiencies that are delivered. And I focus in on pre-snap motion uh, in the first three quarters of games because I don't really care about what you're doing in the fourth quarter when most of the games are either teams trailing and is totally desperate or is winning and is being a little bit more conservative. So we're getting rid of those. What are you doing? And the Giants are used the second least amount of pre-snap motion of any team in the NFL uh, last year in those situations. And they use it the third least often when they drop back to pass the football. Now they gained a little bit of an improvement from a success perspective or an EPA perspective, but it was still well below average. And pre-snap motion in general to this question uh, does it, it, it's basically um using something to try to confuse the defense before the ball is even snapped to get the defense out of position a little bit. Tom Brady loves to do it to try to see what type of defense he's going to be going up against. Because when you move somebody across the line, whether it's true jet sweep or just shifting somebody around, it's going to get the defense to reveal themselves more often than not. And that's just data that the quarterback can then process before he even snaps the ball to have an idea of where he's going to go. It's free information. Pre-snap motion costs you nothing. It doesn't cost you anything against the salary cap. You don't have to have talent to use pre-snap motion. You don't have to have a good, it doesn't matter if you had a good quarterback or a bad quarterback, use it to gain free information about that defense 
they're going to react whether you're Tom Brady under center or you're Daniel Jones under center. You move somebody around, that defense is going to do something the same to both teams. Use that information, help your quarterback, give them an extra edge before that ball is snapped. They need to improve in that respect. Absolutely agree. There's a group of Giant fans that have kind of become quasi-obsessed, I guess I'll use that expression, with the types of route combinations the Giants use in their offense. I know you track that sort of stuff too, Warren. Anything jump out at you when you evaluate uh, just the type of routes that the Giants use in their offense, either depth or type, anything like that? Well, we, we know the, the other thing too, uh, I forgot to mention that was part of the question. And this is kind of building on that is a little bit more of the advanced data. Um, naturally, when we're talking about types of pre-snap motion, I analyze that. I work for a number of teams as a consultant and I'm evaluating the different types. I don't go into that level of detail in the book um, on a league-wide basis, sharing information about how often each team is using different types of pre-snap motion. But there, there's probably like, 20 or so types of pre-snap motion that are being tracked that are, that are logged and I can evaluate and analyze as it, as it relates to uh, looking at efficiency. And obviously we know there's a significant number of, of route types and different route combinations that different teams utilize. And I didn't get into that level of detail in the book either. I do study, however, average target depth and yeah. increased efficiency based upon target depth. And there are some things here that clearly the Giants could improve upon. And when we talk about these very difficult pass rushes, you know, we, we you mentioned it off the top when we talk about the defensive side of the football. It, being explosive is important. Yes, absolutely. And like there are guys like Andy Reid who can dial up short passes that make explosive gains routinely. Uh, that would be nice for any offense to have an easy, high rate of completion pass that's close to the line of scrimmage for a quarterback that results in a big chunk gain. Easier said than done, especially for a guy like Jason Garrett. But if we're passing the ball on early downs, we will sacrifice a little bit of explosive plays so that we can have an efficient offense that keeps us out of third downs. And I think the Giants, with some of their weapons, with their offensive line and the pass rushes they're going to be going up against, could stand to throw the ball more but shorter. Give give Daniel Jones a few more layups in the game to throw, hit on these short passes and, and allow them to have a little bit more success and not have to run the ball quite as often and bypass some of these third downs. Interesting. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just $100. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, Barkley, you had an interesting note in, in the book how, you know, Gallman, some of his metrics actually look better than Barkley's from the year before, but I know there's a lot of noise in that data too, quality of the offensive line and things like that. So, what should Giant fans take out of that? And what kind of impact could Barkley's, again, we talked about explosive plays, right? His ability to get those explosive plays have on the offense. I do believe that the running back production is far more replaceable than most people want to give it credit. And that having a guy step in, you're really going to see the upside of run plays based upon two factors, based upon two factors. When are you calling those run plays based on situation as well as box count of the defense? And 
how good is your offensive line of run blocking? Those two things are going to weigh a lot heavier into how much production on a per run basis will that running back get. Now the ceiling in terms of like the, the maximum, the, the, the highest upside that you can get are these explosive runs that a guy like Barkley is going to be potentially more likely to break um, turning some of these runs that might gain five yards that are well blocked. I mean, five yards is a good run um, into like 15 to 20 yard runs. Of sure. course, there are those explosive long touchdowns that Barkley brings to the table as well. And his vision and some of these other factors, like uh, he is a very good player and he certainly is a better player than Gallman. But just because you have him back does not mean like your run game is just going to massively vault to be substantially better than what it was last year. I think if people are thinking along those lines, they're going to be sorely disappointed. I do think he's a special running back, but there is a limit to just what he's going to bring to the table. And I absolutely think that the giants need to focus on making Daniel Jones comfortable from a passing perspective rather than thinking, well, we can make Daniel Jones comfortable by running the ball more because Barkley is back now. And I think even having Barkley back is going to limit some of the upside. Most runs, I think most touchdowns are scored um, in the NFL, uh, rushing touchdowns. I, I want to say it's like well over 50% um, from inside the five-yard line. It might even be like 60% of all rushing touchdowns are scored from inside the five-yard line. That means you have to get down to the five-yard line. How right. are you going to get down to the five-yard line as efficiently as possible to, to then get all these touchdowns that Barkley potentially would be able to deliver? I absolutely love running the football down inside the red zone, spreading the defense out, uh, making them get into you know their sub-packages and then bust out some runs with Barkley. So let him get all the rushing touchdowns in the world, but call efficient plays getting down inside the five-yard line. Last one on the offense, Warren. And Jones could use some help from his receivers in terms of drops and a little bit better with the yards after the catch, right? Didn't get a lot of help from those guys last year in that respect. No, he did not. Um, and, you know, this was an Evan Ingram problem, but it was also a problem for all the receivers. Uh, it's just consistency. And I think drops, uh, um, you know, quarterbacks are somewhat responsible for that a little bit. How? Where exactly are you putting the ball in the receiver's hands, how catchable is the ball that you are throwing? Um, but the receivers need to step up as well. And they need to realize, especially with the quarterback like Daniel Jones, who might struggle a little bit, like we need to make this guy feel more confident because when we're catching these balls, that might let Jason Garrett call more pass plays and feel more comfortable about doing that because we're getting production out of them. Even if it's just a gain for a few yards, right? We're not talking about the big explosive plays, which can be difference makers in the games. We're talking about some of these catches that are closer to line of scrimmage that should have a high completion rate. You have to, give the quarterback confidence, which gives your offensive coordinator confidence to keep calling these pass plays. Um, so everybody needs to step up the new guys and the old guys. Okay. Let's go to the defense. Warren real quick. We only have a couple minutes left here. We know the giants have kind of gone the modern way of the NFL on defense, where they've focused a lot of their resources on their secondary rather than their pass rush. What do your numbers tell you in terms of how a team can survive that way? The impact a pass rush has on, on, on the defense on the offense, rather and obviously defensive results, but also, you know, the Giants' best pass rusher is more of an inside pass rusher, not an outside pass rusher. Okay. Put all things together and just kind of talk about the Giants' defense and their pass rush and how that impacts exactly how effective they can be. 
Yeah, I mean, I will say this just off the top with regard to the inside pass rush. We know that that is very valuable for when you're going up against quarterbacks who like to set up shop in the pocket, like a Drew Brees, like a Tom Brady, like getting up the middle is not the worst thing in the world to get that guy off of his spot. More quarterbacks are getting a little bit more comfortable rolling out and moving out and throwing on the perimeter. So that's where you're going to struggle a little bit if you can't get that pressure from the edges. But getting a guy off the spot, if you can get there quickly up the middle and just disrupt the timing of that quick passing attack is very valuable. And, you know, transitioning is something that we talked about at the top when we're talking about, well, what can the Giants do themselves on offense because their O-line may not be the best and they're going up against tough pass rushes. We're talking about getting the ball out quickly. That is the problem that you have when you don't have that production in the secondary, when you don't have a very good secondary and you put too many resources or assets into the pass rush, um, the quarterback could just get the ball out pretty quickly. And if you can't cover these guys and your corners and safeties aren't great at tackling in space, then you're going to have more problems. So I do agree the modern NFL, which is a pass first mentality for most intelligent teams, the rules and everything like that, coverage is more important. Um, It takes a little bit. It would be great to have both. If you're going to have one or the other, I would prefer to have a great secondary than a great pass rush, unless you're absolutely elite as a pass rush. Um, And and that obviously would trump Uh, having a really good secondary, but um, I think you're building the right way on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously you need to get pressure a little bit more frequently and more consistently. All right. Finally, you had the giants projected at seven wins. I think giant fans would probably be disappointed by that number. What could, because I know this is, this is just a number you come to. That's most likely if this number ends up being higher than seven, why will it be higher than seven? What has to happen for your projection to be short of where the Giants get? Yeah, I think the Giants could get more than seven wins um, by just improving their efficiency on offense. This was a team that was hamstrung by their offense last year. Yes, you get Saquon Barkley back. Boom. That's going to be an upgrade, but potentially not quite as much as some Giants fans would like to see. But it's, it's really, to me, it's not a whole lot. It might, it might sound crazy, but I don't see you needing to make these wide sweeping changes. That's the thing that frustrates me the most. This division is not ridiculous. Okay. The NFC East is highly winnable uh, to a team like the giants. They could win this division. They could produce a winning record, a nine and eight record this season uh, might win the NFC East this year uh, and get them into the postseason. And I don't think it's unrealistic, but they have to make some fundamental yet very easy changes to the structure of this offense and the philosophy. If they do that, they absolutely can exceed seven wins. They absolutely will be fighting for playoff contention. But if they fall short of that and are relying too much on the defense and Saquon Barkley, they are going to be in trouble and wind up probably with, you know, seven wins and on the outside looking into the postseason. Warren, always fun to talk to you, my friend. One more time, tell the folks where they can find your book and everything else that you do. 
sharpfootballanalysis.com. I highly recommend picking up a copy of the 2021 football preview book. It's up there. You're going to get, it's going to prepare you for the 2021 season in the fastest manner possible, make you the smartest football fan that you could be. I also do videos uh, up at NBC Sports and write articles for them. Um, and of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Sharp Football and you'll find links to the book and to my videos and all the other content that I churn out. Warren, good luck with the book. The season's coming fast and furious, my friend. It's going to be fun. Enjoy it, and we'll talk soon, all right? Thanks for having me, John. Warren Sharp from Sharp Football Analysis. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thank you for everyone else for being with us. I am John Schmelk. We will see you next time on the Giants Huddle.